Welcome to the Advanced Relationship Podcast. After 13 years as a marriage and family therapist and relationship coach, I'm here to answer your questions and teach you what I know about the great masculine and feminine dance and how you can create the most intimate, loving, and powerful relationships on the planet. both of us here. Bryce and I are back together. He's been out traveling. Welcome yep. home. Yeah, feels good. Yeah, feels really good to be back in the same space. Yeah, it's nice how like I really enjoyed the time away and I think it built up some desire, some like novelty, mm-hmm. you know, to come back. But I'm also just realizing how much I really do like being back in the house and being with you. Oh, I love, love hearing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me to be separated for almost a week and a half is like, it is kind of hard in my heart, you know, I could feel it. And yet, like, there is some kind of strength, I think, that has come from it. Yeah. So that's cool. Today, before we dive into our topic, any announcements? Still have men's groups running. Uh, Right now, they're on Tuesday nights at 630 Mountain Time. But if you're interested in that, you can reach out to me. Bryce at BriceBauer.com or go to my website, BriceBauer.com. Cool. That's awesome. If you're interested in joining our private Facebook group, go to Facebook and type in Advanced Relationship Podcast Community and request to join the Facebook group. Yep. We're coming up on 500 members. No, it's awesome. Yeah. People are really engaged in there. We are in there almost daily answering questions, posting stuff, posting our podcast. You can ask questions in there and we'll answer them on our podcast. We'll put them in the queue. So there's a lot of value in there and it's free. Yeah. It's a really fun way to stay connected like on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And remember to subscribe if you like what we're putting down here. Leave us a review. That really helps. Mm -hmm. Helps us get the message out to more people. And it helps us stay motivated to hear, you know, if people are liking what's happening or if you have thoughts or comments and you leave a written review. It's just fun for us to see what people are getting out of the podcast. Absolutely. And thanks to those who've been leaving reviews. So, um, okay, I think that's it as far as announcements then. Okay. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about the 4F trauma personality types. That was really interesting. Really interesting, yeah. And I came upon this in another Facebook group that I'm a part of recently. Someone mentioned this, and I just found myself curious, and I clicked on the link and looked at the chart and was just like, oh, it just felt really, really helpful and We'll dive into more details here in a bit. So I'm really excited to talk about this today. Yeah. Yeah, and even though it's labeled trauma personality types, even if you don't identify as having PTSD or uh, extensive trauma, I find that that there's still a lot of stuff in here that's relatable and that can really help in relationships, even if it's more mild. I agree. I feel like these are just general personality types in a lot of ways, and they can be extreme depending on your experience of trauma but uh yeah i think you're probably going to fit into one of these or two of these Mm -hmm. and it's going to help to know where you are and also potentially where your partner is and how to work with those different types yep because anytime we get really activated maybe above a three or four that's a good indicator that we're actually in the past and that indicates active memory which is related to some level of trauma even if it's mild so this comes from the work of 
psychotherapist Pete Walker, who is a psychotherapist in Berkeley, California. And he developed these 4F trauma personality types, and that's what he uses in his work. And so you can Google his stuff and find out more details. He's got some papers online that I've since read through in the last couple weeks. And yeah, it's just a really interesting model to understand. Yeah, and we're going to throw the link in the description so you can go and check this out more. Mm -hmm. First, we'll just give you a summary of the four different types. And then we're going to dive in and talk a little bit about our own personal reflections on these types and what we've learned in the last couple weeks as we've been talking about this model of looking at things. Okay, so so there's fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. So the fight is what he calls the, quote, bully. And the unconscious belief of the fighter is that power and control can create safety, assuage abandonment, and secure love. So the goal of the fighter is to maintain a sense of power and control. So that's what they pursue is power and control. The contributing environment, the childhood contributing environment to the fighter is that they may have either been spoiled or given insufficient insufficient limits and or allowed to imitate a narcissistic parent. And their approach to connection is to connect by controlling others. Their approach to feeling safe is to attack or confront. Um, Their relation to others is controlling, and common characteristics and activities are incessant monologuing, criticizing, can go to places like raging. Now there's a continuum of like the benefit and the disadvantage of fighting. The positive side of it is being able to be assertive. So there's a, the idea with all four of these, of these trauma personality types is they actually all have an important quality to them that is a benefit. And that is the benefit of the fighters, to be able to be assertive. The negative side is where you get over into bullying. Decision-making for the fighter is impulsive and they avoid isolation, they demand perfection, and they may be mislabeled as narcissist, sociopath, and or conduct disorder. So that is the fighter. Right, and I can relate with this one. Um, So if you're someone who notices you're often in conflict with other people even if it's milder you might that might be your your response Mm -hmm. second is the flighter or the workaholic and this is interesting because i know we we think about someone as a flighter who runs away but this is instead he describes this as someone who's a perfectionist um, and that's what achieving is what makes them safe and lovable so they may escape into thought obsession action compulsion uh, hyperactive response to family trauma ranging between driven, A student, and the ADHD dropout running amok. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This one you can relate with more, Jen? Yeah, definitely. A flighter response is definitely one of my coping strategies. Yeah, the way that they withdraw is by staying focused on personal performance, and their action is achievement, their human doings. Mm-hmm. They might also be micromanagers. Does that feel true of me? It can be, yeah. Again, this is like one of those things. There's the positives and maybe the negatives for each personality type. And and why we're bringing this up too is that not only understanding how you're triggered, but also how you can use your types or developing other types to benefit you. Mm -hmm. Because there are certainly ways in which you want to be driven to achieve or you want to fight at times when you need to. Exactly. That's what needs to happen. So common characteristics of the flighter are worrying, performance anxiety, adrenaline junkies, or overachievers. 
So they might range from being really efficient to like really type A. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking micromanager here. Mm-hmm. Overanalytical, avoids inaction, compelled by perfectionism. And then some of the mislabels could be OCD, mood disorder, bipolar, ADHD. Yep. Yeah. Cool. And we'll talk more about our own personal reflections here in just a moment. So I won't go deeper into that yet, but... We're gonna move on to the freeze, the freezer. This is also called the couch potato. So the freezer is going to be what is more, in attachment work, it's more of the avoidant. The freezers are actually, their unconscious belief is that people are synonymous to danger. So when things get activated, they actually wanna avoid human contact. And their childhood contributing environment is that they may have been the scapegoat and or profoundly abandoned, even if it was just emotionally. I'm not allowed to employ fight, flight, or fawn responses. Yeah, here and I'm thinking about like failure to launch adults. There's this new wave of children coming into the the world to adulthood that are being labeled failure to launch, but I'm seeing it more as a freeze response. So they, yeah, hide from the world is their catchphrase. In the basement playing video games. Exactly. Yeah. He says their relation to others is detached and common characteristics and activities are hibernating, sleeping, daydreaming, TV, online browsing, and video games. Right. The benefit of the freeze or the positive is the peaceful. So the freeze has this um, ability to get into sort of a peaceful state. The disadvantage is they can actually go catatonic. So they just collapse so much that they really can't function. Um, Decision-making, they struggle more with decision-making. They avoid people, so that's what they tend to avoid. And their relationship with perfectionism is achievement-phobic. So they're actually like kind of feel afraid of achieving too much. And they can be mislabeled as depressed, DID, schizophrenic, and ADD. Cool, and then finally, this is a new one when I'm thinking fight, flight, or freeze. This is fawn, or the people-pleaser. So the unconscious belief here is that the price of admission to any relationship is the forfeiture of all my needs, rights, preferences, and boundaries. Their survival pattern is to please people, and they could be a child of a narcissistic parent that learns early that bits of safety and love can be earned by being compliant servants to their parents. And their approach to connection is to merge with other people and just do what other people want. Their approach to feeling safe, their threat response is inaction, just going along with others, keep others happy. They may feel exploited by others, and they could also be an entertainer, a yes man, a nice guy, high concern for fitting in, flat, flattering others. So the continuum is that they could be really helpful or they could fall into servitude. They defer to others when making decisions. They're conflict avoidant, social perfectionists. And they might be mislabeled as codependent or parentified children Mm. where they actually have to take care of the parent. Mm -hmm. Or maybe have to take care of a lot of younger siblings. Right. Yeah, cool. So when I first went through this, I actually had pulled it up and printed it out and read through it. And I was like, I could really see where I fit into two, especially as like my main And then I made the assumption that Bryce fit into the two opposites of me. Right. So we've since gone through this together. Yeah, you want to talk about yours? Yeah. When I went through this, I could really relate to the flight, the workaholic, and the fawn, the people pleaser. 
And what's been most interesting to me, when Pete Walker talks about this model, he says it really elaborates the four basic survival strategies and defensive styles that develop out of instinctive fight, flight, freeze, and fawn responses. He says, variances in your childhood abuse and neglect pattern, birth order, and genetics result in you gravitating towards a specific 4F survival strategy. You do this as a child to prevent, escape, or ameliorate further traumatization. In one of his papers, he says, individuals who experience, quote, good enough parenting, close quote, in childhood, arrive in adulthood with a healthy and flexible response repertoire to danger. In the face of real danger, they have appropriate access to all of their 4F choices. Easy access to the fight response ensures good boundaries, healthy assertiveness, and aggressive self-protectiveness if necessary. Untraumatized individuals also easily and appropriately access their flight instinct and disengage and retreat when confrontation would exacerbate their danger. They also freeze appropriately and give up and quit struggling when further activity or resistance is futile or counterproductive. And finally, they also fawn in a liquid play-space manner and are able to listen, help, and compromise as readily as they assert and express themselves and their needs, rights, and points of view. So I really found it interesting that the ideal is to be able to tap into all four of these responses. That that's one of the benefits of my relationship with Bryce and also one of the things that causes struggle at times for me is that our relationship has allowed me to also start to do fight and freeze at times. So I've noticed in my relationship with you, Bryce, that I, I sometimes go to these places I'm not used to going to in my life. So I know sometimes you're like, I've only ever seen you fight for your needs. You know? Right, yeah. Yeah, you seem really outspoken about what you need, so I don't experience you as a people pleaser with me. Right. And so to have you see that part of me is helpful because it helps me go, okay, I'm I'm progressing and I'm moving forward and integrating the fighter in me, but also it's so difficult for me to do it still. And so one of the things that Pete Walker talks about is that if you are a fawner, when you start to practice the opposite of fawning, which is the fighting and asserting your needs, what can happen is you'll actually feel self-loathing. That was really helpful for me to understand because recently Bryce and I got into some conflict over something. And one of the things I said is, I feel tired of fighting for my needs and then feeling bad about myself. Mm-hmm. So it just felt helpful for me to understand that that's normal as I'm learning to really bring my assertive self online. And I am learning how to do it in more healthy ways, hopefully over time. Because sometimes it comes out a little bit messy with us, which I don't love, and adds to the feeling of self-loathing. And it's an important response for me to be able to bring online. So if Bryce is being a fighter himself and he's kind of trying to, to control things, it's important for me to be able to bring myself and say, wait a minute, I also I also have needs here that need to be considered as well. So the key here is for Bryce and I to kind of practice the opposites of what we're used to. I'd say same with freeze. I would say freeze is not what I'm used to experiencing, like achievement phobic. Maybe like here and there I'll feel it, but usually only in relationship to men I was emotionally interested in. Then I would like want to not achieve things. I felt like it made me not feminine enough and also made me too, I don't know, disconnected or something. But I've noticed that sometimes in our relationship where I felt this fear of like, 
and we've talked about it in the past, like fear of getting up early or a fear of achieving too much. Mm-hmm. So it's been interesting for me to be practicing how to integrate all four of these responses and be able to use all of them when it's appropriate. Anything come up for you, Bryce? Yeah, so I, I definitely see that with you. And then with me, I'm on the totally opposite side of the same coin, which I'm primarily a fighter, mm-hmm. which I think that some of that was conditioning from childhood, you know, being in tough sports and having a masculine upbringing where I always need to fight for what I want. And then secondary would be free. So as a teenager, I was really depressed, even now susceptible to if I'm feeling triggered, overwhelmed, just zone out, maybe be on social media or YouTube or just chilling like way too hard um, in an unproductive way. So For me, it's been interesting to try to work on my fawn response, the collaborative side, the people pleaser, and to learn how to merge with other people like Jenny, for instance, and be with the feelings that it brings up to not really have control here, to really let my guard down, to put my weapons down. Yeah, and and it doesn't mean that I'm like totally submitting, but it's I see it more as collaborating because that's much harder for me. And in the evolution of doing this, I notice one pattern that pops up, and I see this with a lot of men. I recently got into uh, some conflict with some friends, and, and I saw this because I see it in myself, was to go along with what Jenny might want to do, but then resent her for doing it. So I'm like, I'm like okay, I'll submit, but now I'm going to be a pain in the ass where I'm going to like energetically resist or resent you. So, and if, if you're with a partner that's doing this, it can be really confusing because they're saying like, no, I'll do whatever you want. This is what I might do. Yeah, I'll do whatever you want. But then I just have this like energy about it, this attitude about it. And it can be really confusing because it's like, a, I'm guessing for you, that's like a lose-lose. Like you either submit to your way and my control or you go with what you want because I'm just like being totally passive aggressive here. And then you you're going to experience my resentment. Mm Is that right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Like, I mean, if you hear this, it's like, I think right now being able to call out these patterns, because we've talked about them a lot, really takes some of the oomph out of them, some of the energy out of it. And we can see this happening with each other and it doesn't have as much of a hook to it. Like, oh yeah, I'm doing that thing again, aren't I? Right. Like agree, but then I'm like also resisting. Yeah, and then the couch potato side, uh, I mean, this comes up quite a bit when I'm feeling nervous, is like all of a sudden I'm totally scattered. I feel like I have ADD. Um, Maybe I want to sleep and not get out of bed. And that's usually a cue. I can look at my behavior as a cue to how I'm actually feeling, which is is I'm triggered in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it's a trauma response. You know, you could call it that. Or I'm feeling anxious. Like in the morning when I'm like not ready to get out of bed, it's probably not because I'm tired. It's because I'm anxious about something that's happening mm-hmm. in my mind. And if I've spent a lot of time avoiding people, been on my own for a long time, it's usually not because I'm feeling great and I just want some space. It's usually because I'm feeling anxious. So you can look at your behaviors as a, a doorway into to how you might be feeling or if you're triggered. Yeah. And that's one thing I find really helpful about it. And sometimes I'll just watch myself and notice that I'm flighting or fawning. Again, those are my most like instinctual and natural. So my practice is really just to watch them. And when I do that, it's to practice kind of balancing it out with the other side. So again, Pete Walker talks about how they're kind of, they're, they're opposites. 
that fighting and fawning are the two opposites on one side. Fighting's going to be the more aggressive. Fawning's going to be the more passive. And then flighting and freezing are the two opposites, where flighting is going to be the more aggressive and freezing is going to be the more passive. It reminds me a lot of yoga, where when I'm doing yoga, if I notice that I'm being too aggressive with my muscles in a pose, I may need to like soften it up a bit, like go a little bit more passive with the muscle to find the balance. And it's really the same thing with the four F trauma types. So again, his suggestion is if you're if you're doing too much fawning and you're seeing that pattern play out, lean a little bit more into the fighting. Practice a little bit more assertiveness for your needs and vice versa with the, the flighting and freezing. So I was just thinking with us getting ready to record this podcast today, one of the things you've talked about, Bryce, is if you feel nervous as we're getting ready to record, you'll sometimes freeze. Right. But then you did a nice job of balancing it out here you know, by just also acknowledging today, like, let's just go for it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that'd be like kind of leaning over towards the flighting. Like, let's just go for it. Let's just do it. Like, just do it. Nike, that is a flight. That would be a flight slogan. Mm-hmm. Just do it. That's kind of the way to start to practice working with these. Right. And you're probably finding yourself lucky enough to be with a partner who really challenges and triggers you in the perfect way to where you may be your opposites. You can really look at this as a way to grow and frame this like if your partner is continually triggering you into your your response, there's an opportunity to grow yourself in a different way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, so relationship can be such a great support for developing all four abilities. I imagine that these four abilities are connected to our midbrain and that these four allow us to kind of work through the midbrain so that we can get up to the prefrontal cortex where we can really do creative, collaborative work together with ourselves, with all parts of us, or with other people, with a partner or group or team. But sometimes we have to use these four Fs to kind of move through the midbrain to even get up to the upper brain and be able to transcend these four Fs, basically. Yeah, because I mean, these are, this is human behavior in a nutshell right here. And you're not going to change your responses overnight, but you can learn to harness them in a way that that feels better. Mm-hmm. One other thing that came up for me, that's, that's also kind of a personal reflection on these was, I just noticed that, and I noticed this with a lot of clients is whichever ones we fall into, we tend to kind of think that those are the right ones. Mm-hmm. And then we can judge other people who do the ones we don't dare to do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can judge Jenny. Like, I'm like, well, just speak up and fight. And like, this is conflict. This is what we're supposed to do. And if I notice you're kind of going more passive, mm-hmm. I can start to judge you. And exactly. it's going to feel worse and worse. And I'm thinking about like clients I have where even as a couple kind of joining and, and moving towards one response that's that's more difficult. Like I have one couple that I work with that is always like they can get really aggressive with each other so we just have to stop talking sometimes stop talking just look at each other how are you feeling that's all you can talk about is how you're feeling right now you cannot project onto the other person right now that's the rule mm-hmm. right yeah. so there I'm, I'm trying to teach them how to really work together and collaborate versus I have another couple that they seem like they're really conflict avoidant and they're always like not they're dancing around the issues 
um, and they're not bringing out what's really happening. So I'm, I'm trying to get them like, no, how do you really feel? Mm-hmm. Like, like, let's talk about your judgments and your projections so we can get the cards out and, and look at what's really happening here. So I have to do more work with them there. So And you'll kind of know like where you are as a couple. You can probably already pinpoint like what happens here. But um, yeah, the, the rule of the opposites works quite often, I find. Yeah. Oh, I love hearing that because I can picture both types of couples as you're saying that. Yeah. So and it's this is what's so crazy about couples work and why I love relationships. It's like, it's like a puzzle. I can't come in with the same strategy with each couple. I really need to watch people play out their patterns and, and continue to do that to be able to work with what's happening. And oftentimes I have to hold the other side of the, the charge there to either like bring out the energy or like really relax people and... So- yeah, I mean, it's fascinating work. Yeah, and I have goosebumps as you say that because I'm just imagining this huge gift that relationship is to all of us, as I imagine my own clients, as I imagine you and I, as I imagine me working with all my own different parts inside myself. I'm like, wow, it really is through relationship that we develop more of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing else that's popping up for me in terms of like personal reflection. Anything else for you? No, that feels complete there. I think this is, I like this frame and I like these types. So yeah, I think we should get on the Facebook group and bring this out and see how people are. I'd love to get a kind of a an assessment of where people think they are. So that's a good uh, motivator. If you are interested again in joining the Facebook group, get online, go to Advanced Relationship Podcast Community. And if you want to get more support from Bryce and I, go to advancedrelationshipacademy.com and click on the coaching tab. And right there, you can get access to the two of us. Right. Work with individuals and couples. So no matter what your relationship status is, kind of work with it all. Yep. All right. Good to talk to everyone. Yeah. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.